Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new episode of Crucial Conversations Podcast with the Blue Lava Community, where we gather and share expert insights on security program management delivered with, by, and for the most respected security leaders around the world. Together, we'll explore solutions to the most pressing business challenges unique to the careers of CISOs and cybersecurity executives. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco. Sean. It is story time. Ah, you know, it's my favorite time. <laughs> and uh, for, for those listening to this episode who've We've caught a few of the previous ones. It'll be a little different format today for a number of reasons. First is you'll see somebody else sitting beside me here and uh, also in Grayscale, uh, welcoming and having a conversation with our guest, who is Billy Pugh. Billy, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. It's really, I'm really excited to be here. That's going to be Yeah, a, me a too. I know. Marco, Marco gets to join finally. <laughs> and... Yeah, so this is the the crucial conversations here on ITSP Magazine, hosted and brought to you by, with and for the Blue Lava community, which is all about bringing security leaders together to share stories of best practices and experiences and and key learnings in life and at work that help us uh, succeed in our roles and and stay healthy as humans <laughs> and. And uh, today's conversation, we're going to dig into, well, Billy's journey, really, um, how you transition into cybersecurity and your current role and, and your experiences leading up to the decision to, to become part of this industry. And in doing that, we'll also connect uh, what security leaders can look for in, in uh, candidates and, and existing personnel and how to... Yeah, I would say probably get get the make uh, sound strange, but get the most out of them without uh, putting them under too much pressure. Right, burnout is a thing. Uh, talent is scarce. That's still a thing. I suspect we'll touch on both of those points. So certainly. Um, without further ado, Billy, maybe uh, obviously we're going to talk about your journey, but a few words about your current role and what yeah, you're... yeah. So currently, um, I am in the North Bay area of California. And I am a security consultant for Amazon Web Services, uh, where I help AWS uh, customers with security transformation or moving workload or securing workloads that are being moved into the cloud. And I've been doing that for about seven months now. Um, very recently got out of the military, which uh, will be the bulk of, I think, what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, nice. Sean, I, I'm going to jump in because we, we have right. many, actually, conversation with uh, people that are being transitioning from the military. I can probably, if I start counting in my head, <laughs> I don't even know how many people I know that are you know, doing an, an amazing job in, uh, in this industry and they come from the military. And I, all the conversation I had in the past, I've always seen a ton of connection with kind of like what you learn there, the way you operate in during you know your service and kind of the way that this industry operates so maybe mm. maybe your perspective on that and then tell us your story yeah um 
So we can kind of dive as deeply as you want into, into why the military does a really good job preparing people for cybersecurity. Um, to give you kind of my background and my perspective on what informs my opinion, uh, bef right before I got out of the military, I was, a I was an educator. Um, and my specific role in education was any new college graduate um, that graduates from college and is going to be an officer in the military. So they're going to be first-line supervisors for a variety of different mission sets in the Air Force. Before they go lead in any of those capacities, they come to the schoolhouse that I taught at. And our job is to essentially baseline your entire community of supervisors because we're getting people who have degrees in English and we're getting people who have masters in cybersecurity, who are on hacking teams and everything in between. And so you need to be able to prepare all these people for the burdens of leadership in cybersecurity. And I had to really ideate with the team that I worked with to figure out what makes the best version of that person when you send them out of the box to their first job to be successful. Um, and really, I would say my number one, the number one reason I think that the military does a good job of preparing you um, is the military expects you to work in ambiguity a lot. Uh, you're given guidelines or guidance, very general guidance, and you're expected to make something happen, something productive in defense of the nation. And when you transition out and you go into the civilian sector, um, cybersecurity is very much still an ambiguous space. You, your board doesn't really know what it means. You and your cybersecurity program, they might not really know what it means. Um, and so as you come in as a leader, you're really asked to, to dabble in a significant amount of ambiguity. And people in the military have already been doing that. And so the transition from ambiguousness um, in the military to ambiguity in the civilian world, uh, it translates pretty good. And honestly, um, and maybe this is just my opinion, some might say that the stakes for the military are a little bit higher. So you just feel less pressure when the only thing really at stake is profit, but obviously your job's on the line. Um, but it, the stakes are slightly different. Can I jump in here, Billy? Cause I, sure. I love this word ambiguity and it's, it's a personal word for me because early in my career as a program manager, bringing uh, gazillions of products to market, my, my boss early on told me, you're going to experience ambiguity. She used these words. She says, you're going to experience ambiguity. It's your job to find where it is and move the team through it. Yep. Not, not get rid of it, but to find it and understand and move the team through it. Mm -hmm. And, and your last point about the military, I'm going to connect to that. And then I'd like your thoughts on this because you said the military obviously has a tremendous amount of pressure and you, you kind of feel that weight lift a bit. Um, but the environment, while it's high pressure, I get a sense that you have to deal with ambiguity, but they're setting you up to succeed, right? They, they want you to win. Whatever definition of win and success is, they're going to make sure that that happens. So you have the support to, to kind of behind you just to bear the, bear the brunt on your shoulders, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, I would say that it depends. Um, at the end of the day, the, U.S. Air Force, where, and the military at large, 
we're still trying to figure out cybersecurity just like anyone else. Um, uh, when I, when people just ask me, what do I, what are we like in Air Force Cyber? I'm like, we're, we're not, we're just a giant enterprise, just like any, just like your Googles, your Amazons. And we're all trying to figure stuff out. And I think that everyone wants you to succeed. I, I don't think that there's a single person in any chain of command in the military that's like, we want you to fail. But there is a limited amount of resources, just like any organization. And in a cybersecurity field, things just might not have been figured out yet. And so um, specifically in an officer sense, you're getting these junior officers who are 22, 23 years old. You're putting them in charge of 40 people and you're like, blaze this trail. And it's never been done before. And you might, and there is no guardrails and you might just fall right off a cliff. And if you have a good leader or a good manager above you, they will help bear the bur the blame if you do fall off that cliff. But just like in any organization, there's good leaders and there's bad leaders. So to, to kind of go back to what you were saying, um, it depends, which is a, which is a, uh, which is a horrible, horrible, ambiguous answer. But I was hoping um, for a little more utopia there, but uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, no, it's, I guess uh, reality, reality shines through in every part of life. <laughs> I think, uh, I think the big difference is in very few organizations, are you going to see so many people directly out of college give, be given so much control of so much mon like from a monetary perspective, so many different, like I was managing teams that managed hundreds of millions of dollars worth of assets two years out of college and that's that's wild like give tell me a give me a publicly traded company that's gonna be like hey brand new college person you're going to manage like i work in aws now and i'll be like when i was 23 aws is like you are now in charge of all of the north american region of the cloud congratulations don't mess it up and uh that's having to deal with that level of pressure early really does create an environment now where in my civilian world career, someone says, Hey, you're an individual contributor. Now you got to worry about these things. I'm like, sure. Like, that's fine. Like I can, I can, I can, it's, it's good work and it's definitely new, but the, I know I can do it because I had to manage at scale uh, already in my life. And that's given me a lot of confidence to make decisions. And, like you said, move through ambiguity. I might not do it perfectly, but I'm not afraid to do it because I've done it before. You know, I'm thinking there's like talking about transition because this is kind of like the the, the, yeah. the theme of this conversation. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking about you and many other like you that, you know, like you're pretty young age or like, yep, mm -hmm. now you're going to do this. And you're like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> So that you have that transition, which may be yep. a little bit of a shock, right? And so, but then you you need the other transition when you come to the civil world and then yeah. you're working with this company. So I'm sure it's completely different, but I would love to hear it from is. you how that that transition works and how this other transition works. Yeah. Um, so I would say the transition into the military is relatively easy. Um, in the sense that all you have to do is show up, they'll break you down. And, um, I tell most people that 
if you are a person like me who requires structure in your life, the military is perfect because you show up and it doesn't matter if you're an officer, if you're enlisted, you show up and they are going to give you objectives. They're going to give you everything that you need. You know exactly what you need to succeed. And you are going to get and stack small win after small win, followed by a promotion, followed by an increase in experience. And it is a perfect way for a new for a young individual to really gain experience gain confidence and develop skills it's amazing like it it, but i'm obviously biased because i did that um the transition out of the military is in my opinion much harder because in the military you show up and you just have to be there like Yes, it requires critical thinking. Yes, you have to innovate and do things. However, I always knew exactly where I was going to be. Every three years, the military said, you're moving to this new place and this is going to be your job and this is what you're going to do. And so you get really good at saying, okay, what do I have to do? Okay, that's what I have to do. I'm going to adapt everything that I am to that thing. Then you exit the military and no one tells you what to do. No one says you have to do anything. There is no adaptation. And for the first time in your life, it's in, if you don't like the situation you're in, it's your fault. You, you made that choice. And that for a lot of people who do really well with structure, just like me, that's really scary. It's like everything is ambiguous. And not only is it ambiguous, but it's all on you to make those decisions with. You're really making a decision with very little. Um, input like if it's just you you have no idea what's out there and so you're really just like throwing shots in the dark and like i hope that works and um i think for people in the military at a broad level we can dive deep into what that like how you overcome that but you go going in is great because you get structure and if you're a person who loves structure or if you're a person who needs structure it's fantastic and i think very few people do poorly when given structure. Um, and then the scary part about the second transition is all that structure goes away and it's all on you now. And that is, uh, that's very, uh, scary honest, like for, for most adults, like that's terrifying. And, um, that's the hardest part of the military to civilian transition in my personal opinion. So one might make the assumption then that if if, if the person doesn't come from military, that not having structure is okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just yeah. flipping, flipping it completely over. But that, that's not always the case. Different people think different ways too and have different Certainly. life experiences regardless of if they go to the military or not. So I'm just wondering your, your perspective on that lack of structure in mm-hmm. business and operations, maybe mm-hmm. even as deep as security if you want to go directly to that mm-hmm. um do we need more there do we need different types of structure um or do we need better ways to manage people without the structure i don't what, what are some of your thoughts on that yeah um i think that insecurity it is really hard to say we need more structure because i don't I don't believe we'll ever get there. Um, The thing that the Air Force struggles with is we're an organization built around the acquisition, development, and operation of planes. That's what we started off as. So, 
by the way, I, I was a history major in college. So like a lot of my observations are informed from that. Um, this is cyber. So we're air force planes. It takes decades to design a plane buy the plane, train people in the plane. And then that plane is good for decades to come. Uh, we still use platforms that are effective to this day that we used in Vietnam. Cyber, and that exists for the Army, and that exists for the Navy. With any domain in warfare up until this point, it, the acquisition cycle has been really long. Cyber is completely different, and both you gentlemen know this. Like things are, I build computers for fun on the side. Like my build, my current gaming computer is basically obsolete, and I built it three years ago. Like, like that's crazy, and. Who's to say that tomorrow NVIDIA is not going to release this new graphics card that just like makes everything that was good a day ago completely obsolete now. And so you you kind of almost have to exist in the ambiguity um, because it's going to constantly change. And there are you can make high level frameworks like NIST does a great job and other organizations like that. But. You can't re I don't believe you can ever really drill super far into what those frameworks and structure look like because it's someone can just innovate their way around it or someone's going to find some new exploit that's going to happen and then it the whole paradigm flips and we're we're basically starting over at square one. And so being too comfortable with the structure is going to if you become too reliant on it, then the second that rug get like, if the net tomorrow quantum quantum computing becomes like the next big thing, all encryptions kind of like, and then everything, like everything's different now. And then everyone has to make all of these things. And so um, I like the ambiguity because it's, well, we're a bit, we're in the business of adaptation and you can never really have structured adaptation. I have a question because I love the fact that you're giving this perspective from an historian point of view, which, you know, yeah. I love that. And how you presented the, the military as, you know, you're using stuff now in the Air Force that was used in Vietnam. And I'm sure you're using strategies that you used way even before Vietnam. I'm just assuming. Certainly. Well, on the other hand, you have the cybersecurity industry that we keep saying each other we're still young, we're still figuring out things. So I'm wondering if the industry could learn something from an organization like the military that's been around for so long. And mm -hmm. no matter what, sure, you may use stuff that have been around forever, strategies, mm -hmm. organization method, methodology has been mm -hmm. there, but, but you're also using cyber warfare you're adopted yep. maybe faster than anyone else so mm -hmm. shouldn't it be a hybrid situation here where we kind of learn from each other yeah so i, I think i think that you kind of you're going to want to split you yes and no yes in the sense that i do believe that cybersecurity organizations and leadership structures should really there's a lot you can take not just from the military but from long-standing organizational um, methodologies, how to effectively lead people, how to effectively lead teams, how to effectively 
grow and develop the next generation of operators in your community. Um, all of that stuff can and should be applied. In terms of operations in cyberspace, like how do we do how do we do cybersecurity? Um, that one is going to be harder because uh, we'll use an army example. Land warfare really doesn't change. The only time land warfare will ever change is if we go to another planet because gravity's different, the terrain will change, um, and a variety of other things. But as long as we're fighting on planet Earth, on the ground, army doctrine can only change so much because the Earth is what it is. The same goes for the Navy with the ocean. The same goes with the Air Force with the air. Cyberspace is the first time we've ever fought battles on something that we are making. Like we're literally building the terrain on which we're operating and that terrain is constantly changing. And so it's really hard to say we need to, it's really hard to say we're going to adopt these long form doctrine um, for how to do cybersecurity. Because again, going back to what I said before, the terrain is constantly shifting and the something can happen that can like, I work now, the cloud, the cloud fundamentally changed the terrain on how organizations did IT. And then it completely changed the game on how people had to look at security in, in that, in those environments. And so from an organizational perspective, like how do we lead people? How do we take care of people? And how do we create effective organizations? 100%. But from a, how do we operate in this domain for lack of a better term? Um, I think that one's a little bit more sticky simply because human beings are constantly iterating on the terrain that we're playing in versus all the other versions of terrain, which exist, they were there, and they like the laws of physics are essentially immutable for us, so we have to adapt to them, not the other way around. Really good point. I love it, and I want to stick with the 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 transition theme here a bit. Of and, course. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to the ambiguity part because what I'm wondering is as you as you enter the field of cybersecurity, you enter an organization. You happen to be at a pretty large one. Mm-hmm. Um, some things are set, right? You, you may not be told like you were in the military, this is what you do. You mm-hmm. wake up at eight and you're going to do this and that fall, right? And you have lunch at two and mm-hmm. you have some freedom to do, yep. do things the way you feel as good and your team has the freedom to do things as the team feels as good or as appropriate. My question is, how, as you're transitioning in and beginning to engage with the rest of the team, how do you determine what success is because you were told before right, mm-hmm. what it is and yeah and, and then how do you measure that yeah so uh, really um the one thing that i'll say going back to um kind of going back to the difference between people in the military and people not in the military um i think all the lessons are the same the packaging is just different um because in the military we might be fed a couple more like we might be given just goals and boxes to kind of check off um those goals and boxes exist outside of the military too you just might have to go find them but they still exist and so for me when i was in the military it was pretty easy we got a new commander in i would meet with the commander i would say what are your priorities 
How do they align with higher headquarters priorities? And then based off of that answer, I have their, because most commanders have like a list of like their top three or top four priorities. Then everything that I do to operate, if I have ambiguity, I ask myself, will I be moving forward one of my boss's priorities? Yes or no? Because event, because those priorities are distilled from the priorities of the Air Force. So by satisfying those, I'm moving the Air Force forward in some meaningful way. Fast forward to me now, I meet with my manager, I meet with my team leader, whoever, whoever I'm working with, the project lead. I look at the statement of work, whatever that thing is, that is kind of my guiding light for whatever I'm doing in that quarter, that week, whatever. And I go, what are my priorities? And then if ambiguity comes up in my day, like working from home, no one is here to tell me what to do. Um, so it's, what are my guiding priorities here? And then I structure my day around that. And then if I'm satisfying my manager's priorities, my team's priorities, then I can meaningfully capture that today I moved the bar forward for AWS in X way, which is going to lead to X impact, which I got good at capturing that in the military. And now I'm just applying it to the civilian world. Um, and I think the big barrier for transitioning veterans is we have all of these skills. We're just used to operating in a framework. So we're just like, you just think, oh, I'm not critically thinking. This is just what I do in the military. And it just takes a couple of repetitions outside of the military to go, oh, this is all the same. I do know what I'm doing. I just need to rebuild my confidence operating outside of the military. And then the people who can make that jump, uh, going back to what you said, Marco, like people who are killing it in cybersecurity that are ex-military, they've made that jump. And they're able to harness what they've learned in the military, but it's detached from the military structure. It's just, these are just what we in the business that you know, these are just soft skills that make people successful is really the agnostic term for it. But people in the military have a hard time seeing that. They just think like, oh, I just do this in the military. And they can't say, these are skills that I now have and how do I apply them outside of the military? So I guess the, the, the million dollar question here is, out of those like you and others that I that I know that made that and are killing it, because you figure out, it's like, hey, it's not that different, but you got to figure out yourself. Yeah. Do we, do we have or should we have in place something or someone or an organization or, I don't know, the military itself, the company mm -hmm. itself, somewhere in between where we make this mm -hmm. transition possible for yeah. everyone, even those that can't really take that leap for whatever reason mm -hmm. it is? Yeah, so uh, there's a lot to say on that. Um, I would say first, those organizations exist and they exist in the military. There are, or they have an entire program that is designed to help members transition out of the military. There's a ton of um, nonprofits that exist to do the exact same thing. Um, there's a ton of hiring firms that are specifically built around that as well. And then larger companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, they have entire teams of people that are designed to recruit and pull veterans in. 
Um, all those things exist. Uh, however, I, I do think that it really does revolve at the end of the day, all these, all these amazing resources are out there and they're on LinkedIn. There's amazing people that are out there advocating for this stuff and doing great work. Um, but at the end of the day, in my personal opinion, uh, it really does come down to the individual members ability to engage with all of this material and to put in time to really figure out what they need to do in their next step. That's what makes them successful or not. Because um, what I saw a lot in, um, in the transition, in my transition process, um, well, so we'll rewind for a second. Um, my transition was not my choice. I got out of the military due to a medical event um, and I was removed for that. Not, I, I had no, like, if you would have asked Billy of 2020, like, what are you going to be doing for the next 15 years of your life? I would say I'm going to be serving my country as a cyber warfare officer in the military, like 100% full stop. I went to the air force Academy. So like my entire adult life was built around military. I, I was like, I was all about it. I woke up every day psyched to be there. Um, and so cut to January of 2021, I have a doctor telling me like, this is it for you. Like you have probably a year left and then it's time you're bounce. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and so I could have really taken two paths and I saw people that existed in every version of these two paths. One, you go real passive. The military just kind of like shuffles you out the door. Everything's kind of done. Maybe it's done. Maybe it's not, but you're just like, Oh, I don't want to be in the military anymore. Or, Oh, woe is me. I'm getting kicked out. And you just kind of let it all happen to you. And it's very passive and you have no agency and you just kind of get what you get at the end for a lot of things. And, um, people who generally fall into that bucket, you generally see them show up the day they get out as a government civilian working in the same unit that they worked in. They just show up in a button down instead of a uniform like that's, and that's not bad, but generally those people just did not look at any other options and they had no, they did not take an active role in figuring out what this next chapter of their life looks like. Then there's the other side, which I believe I fall into um, that that bin, which is very active. Uh, so about a week after I found out I was getting I was like going down this process of getting out of the military. I big shout out a to my brother in law. He was a software recruiter. So he kind of helped me take my first steps. His name's Buster. He's dope. Um He's a chief of staff in a tech startup now, so he's doing great things. But um, we got my LinkedIn looking good. And then for the next year of my life, I talked to, and I have a Google spreadsheet somewhere where I took notes and all. I talked to 540 some odd people, cold calling them on LinkedIn, reaching out to them. And these are mostly veterans in tech. And it was the question started off like, how do you transition out of the military successfully? Basically having the conversation you and I are having right now. Then it was, what do I need to get into these jobs? And what do I need to be successful? And I was able to 
get the job that I'm in now. And I'm very, very happy with it because I took the time to find out this information. I worked with a ton of these organizations that I previously mentioned, and all of that set me up for success, but only because I went out and engaged with the material and engage with the people. Like the reason why I know Laz for Blue Lava is because I reached out to him, did not know him at all. And I was like, hey, I'm getting out of the military. I saw you're in that you were in the military. You're a pretty high powered CISO. Tell me about cybersecurity because I don't I don't know anything about it. And I don't like I don't know how to talk like a person who's in cybersecurity. I just know how to talk like a dude that's in the military. Um and then he reached out and now we're friends. And uh that happened a bunch. And so it's all about engagement. And so all this stuff exists, but I'm a very much like a personal responsibility person. And so engagement with all of that in the process is really the first step to success, in my opinion. So, well, huge, huge shout out to Laz. Obviously, uh, he's Certainly. listening. He's listening to these as well. Um, and yeah, just uh, super kind very giving person uh doesn't matter who you are where you came from um that's that's the reason the blue lava community exists i mean it's really let's be honest to anybody who's part of it it's it's the laz community (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm not gonna not gonna try to color it any other way but but it's the value of that community and it's that that culture that mindset Mm -hmm. that laz brings that everybody that he connects with also brings Mm-hmm. that is the is the arm to grab onto and say what do i do it's the brain to tap into to say how does that work it's the mm-hmm. it's the spreadsheets and the documents and the resources that that give you the insight and the guidance to take some of those steps on your own like you like you did yeah so so obviously you've connected with laz you've connected with the blue lava community maybe some thoughts big picture on the value of community beyond i mean your story thank you for sharing that yeah um continuing that that's not a one-shot deal right you didn't just transition once you're continuing to grow continuing to learn hence this community so maybe some thoughts Mm -hmm. on that yeah i I think that the the scariest part about doing what i did to transition out of the military was you never i never knew who was going to reach out or connect with me when i asked to connect with them Um, fortunately the veteran community is very strong and the veteran community is really what set me up for success to get the job at AWS and really inform my transition. And there is a multitude of people, um, who, if they hear this, like you set me up for success, I'm here because of you and everything that you did. And so when I was given the opportunity to be a part of the blue lava community, um, I really think like this is, this is a great way for a me to give back. And for someone who might be in my shoes, whether they're in the military, looking to get out of the military, whether they're outside of cybersecurity, looking to go into cybersecurity. Um, I want to be part of a group of people that whenever someone needs to reach out, whenever they're looking for information, you're basically, you're guaranteed to get something good and something beneficial from reaching out to us. And that's the, that's, that's why we make these kinds of communities because they, they empower the next generation of people who come after us to ideally 
stand on our shoulders and do better. And um, really, like we said, cybersecurity, it's a constantly evolving field. So we need bigger, better, smarter people every single year in this community. So like, this is going to be the best way to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I love your story, your passion, and I, I'm going to make a comment about the value of community because I am relatively fresh in this community, seven years, let's say, and I don't have the technology background, but I, I love to talk technology and I love to, to analyze it from a human perspective. And, and that's exactly where I'm making the connection. I mean, the human perspective in cybersecurity has become an incredible value and networking and you hear the word community. I mean, just get on Twitter, right? I mean, it's really strong, uh, you know, DevCon coming up and other conferences and you can see the value of the community there. But my comment on that is that there is a lot of people ready to help you. But the lesson that I get from you is that you have to be that one that make that effort to reach out. Yep. And I think 520, you say, maybe I'm not saying the right number, but Somewhere that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, well, the point is, that's impressive. It took, it took some work from your side. And, mm -hmm. and, then, and I think that that's what it comes to. I mean, there are people out there like this community that is ready and willing and excited to help people to transition yep. into their industry. So, Sean, that, that's why there is this community and, and that's why there is LAS. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's why LAS exists, but uh, certainly the community I don't know. He, he's on a mission. <laughs> Let me tell you. He is he's on, on a mission. He's on a mission. I, I, I'm going to give you a, a, a final moment here, uh, Billy, and I'm going to use this to kind of set you up because we've talked a lot about un ambiguity. Mm -hmm. But you, early on, I, I believe I heard you say that you knew what you had to do regardless, right? Kind of, mm -hmm. and I use the, 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 the phrase moving through it. And I, I feel that this community can help bring certainty in light of all that ambiguity. Mm -hmm. So just sharing, this is what you're, you're likely going to come across this. It won't look the same. It's going to look different for you. But here's how I moved through that. Mm -hmm. And and that can get, build confidence and, and build, remove some of the uncertainty. So I don't know any, any thoughts on that as we wrap here. Yeah, I, I think that the, what I knew I needed to do when I got out of the military was engage with as many possible people who would tread the path that I was about to walk down. That is, in my opinion, the ultimate way to assess good decisions and to get as much information as possible before you have to make a, a decision. Um, so the value of community is it's your best way of getting prepared to make those crucial decisions. And then a piece to the people who are trying to make those decisions or learn or make the transition, whether it's from the military into cybersecurity, whatever is if you view yourself as the doer in any mentor relationship or any time you're interacting with this community, if you think that the burden to do is on you, you will get so much more out of any of those relationships than if you expect someone to mentor you or expect to go in and have someone give you all the answers. Be prepared to go in with an active 
be the active participant. You might not know what you're doing, but go in, be eager, put in the work and go be the driver of those conversations. And you're going to find that everybody is willing to give you their time and their energy as long as you're willing to match or exceed that energy and time. Everyone except Marco. He's selfish that way. <laughs> no, and all, and all serious, I, I, I couldn't have said it better, uh, Billy. And um, I'm, I'm honored to have heard your story here in crucial conversations in, uh, in the Blue Lava community. And for those listening, of course, uh, you're aware of the community, but get involved, um, get, get active, help others uh, kind of move through the ambiguity that we talked to today. Look for veterans that uh, need, some, need some guidance or a helping hand or even just a document or something to help them with their transition into this space. And as a CISO, um, pay attention to your veterans and others on the team because uh, they have good ideas. They have experiences that, that matter and can help you uh, as a leader in this space. Um, so don't just, don't just uh, keep them sitting in front of the screen. Have good conversations with them and uh, have them become part of the community as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. There'll be links in the show notes to... Uh, to resources that, uh, that Billy thinks are important, maybe some of the organizations that uh, are helpful, and of course, uh, tons of resources in the Billy Lava community for folks to access. So thanks, everybody. Thank you all. Thanks, everybody. All right. Um, I'm going to put you, I'm going to get to your question or your point in a minute, Chris. Uh, I'm going to put you full screen. Billy, and if you can uh, just say I'm a proud founding member, or I don't know if you're a founding proud member yeah. of the Blue Lava community, um, and then why you why you want to be part of it. So hang on a second. Um, when both Marco and I are gone, you can just jump right in. Sweet. Hi, my name is Billy, and I'm a proud founding member of the Blue Lava community built with by and for security leaders around the world. And I'm very excited to hopefully inspire and mentor uh, transitioning military into this community and anyone who's willing to uh, make the jump into cybersecurity. So come check out the platform. Cool. Very cool. Was that good, Chris? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> you guys, you I nailed it. I like nailed it on the first one. <laughs> Most people don't. The uh, the good part is uh, when I was teaching, I uh, I logged my hours and I have four and a half thousand hours of public speaking time at this point wow. in my life. So uh, wow. I can do the whole I can do this whole like wing wing uh, wing the <laughs> speech thing pretty well. So <laughs> it's nice. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It came through. Thank you guys like so when much they for say, having you know, me on. Overnight success, it took a long time, right? That's right. <laughs> well, you know. Are we are we good, Chris? I'm gonna we don't need to record anything else, right? No, I think that was good. I'm All just right. looking forward to actually kicking off the discussion that's gonna support this. But guys, I really like yep. the uh, chemistry bouncing back and forth between Marco and Sean and Billy. You were just such a natural in uh, in answering those questions and just making it really a conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was great. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Crucial Conversations Podcast with the Blue Lava Community. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.